Hello and welcome to the KLE Podcast. This is your host, Sean Smith. Kingdom leadership equipping, equipping leaders with a kingdom mindset, not your usual church message. You know, every now and again, I love to do a, uh, an interview with um, people that are obscure, doing things that the normal person is not doing just because they want to serve humanity, um, serve the kingdom of God, take the kingdom message to wherever God sends them. And, uh, and you know, oftentimes we don't celebrate these people because we don't know about what they're doing. And, and all the time people are actually going places, doing things, accomplishing things because they're leaders. That's what it takes to be a leader. You don't need a great following to be a leader. You just need to take initiative by what the Spirit of God is leading you to do, what the Lord is leading you to do. And you begin to act and obey and follow that calling and that mandate, and then God begins to um, use you to sow you as a son of the kingdom into a place or wherever it is, whatever the assignment is, and you are a leader because you obey God and you take initiative, you're doing things. Tonight, I have with me um, a friend, a brother, somebody who's been a long time friend, and uh, we spent time together uh, in the United Kingdom is where I met him. He's all the way from Canada, and it's my good friend and brother, David van der Broek, and uh, he hails all the way from Canada. Whereabouts in Canada you, brother? Uh, Ashburn, just in the Whitby part, northeast of Toronto. Okay, so northeast of Toronto is where uh, Dave is from, and uh, this is like his last visit with Michelle and I. He's come all the way down from Canada to visit us. And so I thought it would be a good idea before he ventures off on his adventures, faith adventures in God, um, just to hook him up here on the podcast and let him tell his story and tell you all about uh, what he's about. And uh, he hasn't left yet. So the story I really want you to hear is where he comes from, what inspires him, what makes him the champion, the leader that he is. And uh, what is his vision for the future? So we'll start there. Welcome, Dave. Good to have you with us. Thanks. Good to be here with you, Sean. <laughs> it's awesome. All right. So we're sitting in my little study here in the middle of uh, Pennsylvania, Mount Joy. And welcome to all our audience. Welcome to um, everybody that's uh, looking to become a leader. And uh, let's fire away with some questions at this uh, young man. So, Dave, tell us, uh, first off, how old are you? I'm 27 years old. And you are still a bachelor. I am still very much a bachelor and enjoying it. <laughs> Good. He's enjoying it, looking for a missionary wife. <laughs> no, it's good. All right. So, um, Dave, tell us now, where are you on a time scale right now? What's happening with you right now? As to when I'm going out? Yes. As to, I mean, you, you at this point... What point are you at right now? I'm at the point of being ready to go. Uh, been on two year training, two years of training and preparing for this mission field I'm going into, um, yes. into Tariq, South Sudan. And now we're just coming up to the last month and a half of preparing to go into Tariq, into uh, right at the end of October, where we're entering with our team to partner with the local church of South Sudan. Okay. Well, that's awesome. And what was, okay, so let's backtrack a little bit. What 
has brought you to this point right now. So what inspired you? What what was it that, um, I mean, how did you get to come to the place and saying, okay, um, I'm going to Sudan? Wow. Um, looking back a couple of years ago, uh, late 2016, I had an opportunity to travel to the Middle East with my pastor, uh, pastors from the Oxbridge area and a good friend. When we were there, we actually were, we were sitting down at a conference in Egypt with North African church leaders. And it really just began to hear what was happening, not only in the church, but what was happening to the people of Sudan. What was the persecution that was going on and just also the power of the spirit that was at work within the church. And when I left that time, I actually began to pray for South Sudan and pray for Sudan in general. It's only a recent thing that they became different countries, but began to pray. And then soon enough, I think a month or two later, I found that actually I want, I had a desire to serve in South Sudan, to actually be a part of what God was doing and, and really just to partner with the local churches there, but also to see the gospel brought to unreached peoples in South Sudan. Okay. And so, I mean, that's, that's awesome. It's amazing how God can speak to you just in a place like that and far away from your own home and whatever else. And, and, um, but was the, okay, that was like an inspirational moment. When did you know that this is the decision I've got to make right now and go and prepare and, and go into, uh, into another country to be, to take the gospel to another country? So where did it all begin? Yes. The heart of it. Oh, man. Let's go way back. Um, really, so I did grow up in a Christian family, but I didn't actually commit my life to Christ until 2012 when I was in Australia. But before going there, my mom asked me, would you go back to Africa? So I was actually born in Senegal, West Africa. So I had a past history of growing up in an African culture. So my response to my mom was no, I spent so much time building my life, building my kingdom of stuff and finding a place in society. But when I went to Australia, <clears throat> after like just really seeking out God and actually I wanted to see my life change because I knew I wasn't living how I was meant to be living. So when I was there, God really drew me near and I submitted myself to Christ. I committed myself under the Lordship of Christ. And it was within a month of actually knowing Christ that I actually had a desire to go back to Africa to bring the gospel to unreached peoples. So that's really the foundational part of seven years ago now of having this desire to go back to Africa as a missionary. And during that time in Australia, I was like, hey, okay, God, if you're calling me to the mission field, confirm this to me. So I went on to a missions trip to Kenya through the church in Australia. And I was like, okay, God, during this trip, confirm your calling on my life. And I went on this trip. And the first thing, the first day I was, we were driving into the town of Kajabi and I was reading a scripture card that we were given, just reading through a few, but then I stopped at one, Matthew 9, 37, 38, how the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, ask therefore the harvest send up workers into the harvest field. 
And I'm looking around, there's, there's crops. It's like, there's corn, there's beans, there's all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, all right, Lord, provide people to actually bring the, to come and harvest all these vegetables. And I was, I was praying that, I was praying that, and then I just felt God say, read that again. So I read it again, and then I really, my eyes just opened to that. My heart opened to understand that as no. There are many people there in Africa, many people in Kenya, who actually have not had the opportunity to hear the good news of Christ. And he's asking me to go back, go to Africa, and bring, that, bring the good news that so many of us are brought up our whole life in. And then after realizing, okay, God's called me, I really just pressed forward into training. I knew that, okay, God's called me. He hasn't sent me. So I really began to pursue God. What's that next step in training? What do I do? How do what theological training do I need to receive? And how do you want to mature me? So that was really the thrust of, the, well, really the past seven years of my life of training, maturing, seeing healing come in my family, um, between relationships and just in general, and just actually just maturing as a disciple of Christ as well. Right. Oh, that's awesome. So what, what did the training look like? I mean, what have you been involved in? Oh, man. Wow. So coming, out, coming back from Australia, I knew my next steps. My eldest sister was in a year of training in England. It's a leadership and character development course. And, but the main focus was building a foundation on Christ. And I really just pursued, pursued where God was leading me in that there. And so I really, I just started my pro, my, uh, papers to go to England to do a year training with Jubilee church. And my focus there was, okay, I'm going there to get some training, uh, receive anything that God wants me to learn, and just be fully submissive to the Holy Spirit to lead me and build me up as a disciple. So during, but that was also to be a foundational uh, training to actually step me into what I'm going into now. So through that time, it was amazing to see how God worked and how he matured me. But that was only the beginning of the next few years of my life of what he put into me then to actually see me grow and work out those principles and see the change come in my life. So after, after that year of training, having fundamental things change in my life, it was more the, I don't want to say mundane, but it was the going home and living living at home and being part of church ministry, being part of leading different ministries within the church and just to begin to be raised up that way to understand how, how do I lead? How do I present myself in front of a group? How do I publicly speak and make sense to people? And that's just really been a journey that God's had me on. But through all that time and seeing how God's had me back home for a period of time, I've had my I've had my relationships restored to a better place with my father, my mother, and as well my all my brothers and sisters. So I'm really really grateful for what he's done there. And I can't imagine having gone out to the mission field when I had come back 
from England because that's something I was thinking at that time. But that would have been almost running away from what God was really wanting me to do for that season. And so that wasn't specific training time that you can look at, but it was just God working in, working in the heart and just seeing me start to establish principles in my life and be solidified in who I am in Christ and, and slowly learn what really is my calling. Because I was challenged in that. I felt God really just lead me through. Like I was like, hey God, do I start a business or do I go on the mission field? And for a time it was like the business, starting a business to help people as well. But soon enough, I was reminded of my call to Africa. And I really started to press forward in that training. That's what this past couple of years have been, that intensive training. Okay, I'm going to the mission field, receive the training for cross-cultural work. And I did all that, and I, and I can see how God used that time of not knowing where I'm actually called to, to actually affirm to me, to help me know that what I am called to, that I know what I'm called to, so that when times get difficult in Africa, I will actually stand firm in God's word and not just run away because things are difficult. Like I really felt a few years of God's really give me a foundation of where you're going. It's not going to be easy. And he wanted me to be firmly rooted in him and relationship with him so that I don't fall away easily or get distracted all that easily as well. That's been the main, main training over this past few years is just being established as a disciple of Christ, knowing who I am in him. That's awesome. So it hasn't just been a... Just not just formal training, but and equipping, but but definitely the work of the Holy Spirit, work of God through His Word in your life and heart and in your mind as well. Absolutely. Okay, good. What what would you say have been your biggest challenges as in in coming to this place now, preparing uh, to to launch? Biggest challenge. I would have to say the patience of working through each step. Uh, God's definitely made me much more patient because it's been a seven year progress process, which I did not expect in 2012. I, I expected to be out soon after coming back from England, but it was really just the patience of the working out my salvation to walking according to God's word and learning to live that way. So, perseverance in that and I feel God's prepared me in that for when I go over there that with that patience he's also helped me to persevere persevere long distances so I so I don't actually get tired too quickly but can actually last a long period of time other difficulty I think would be of just getting everything together of finding not finding but over a period of time of just building a support group, people who are praying for me, but also financially supporting me as I go out in the field. It's been a challenging thing because as I've been over my season of fundraising, I found that it's very easy to get into you, to start operating in your own power and how quickly God would remind me that you can't do this in your own power. He told me at the beginning, I can't supply my, my own, my own, way through. I had to trust God for every step of the way. 
And, and I'm still learning that. There's so much, like, just to put our faith in God and to trust Him for our full provision, even when it might not seem like that's something that will come through. We really have to just trust God that what He says is the what He says is the word of truth, and not what we might think, see, or anything like that. So. Well, that's brilliant. I mean, considering um, um, the actual journey, uh, what do you anticipate to be the biggest adjustment to to you as a person as I travel to South Sudan? Yes. I would say it's, we're going to be head deep in language and culture when we get there. So for me, other than processing things, I've been looking at the fact that basically I'm entering child life again. I'm going back to ground zero of learning, learning a new language, learning a culture. So I'll be making mistakes that I can't say I make too often here in Canada, but I really just going back to the infancy stage of just experimenting, learning the language, making those mistakes, looking like a fool with the hopes of eventually being able to actually communicate in a deeper level with the people and not just being able to say, hello, goodbye, where's the toilet, but to actually build those relationships that have meaning that are going to last many years. But I see that really as the main main big change, the main difficulty as I go over there. When we go there, our objective is not to teach everyone in English. We want to be able to communicate with them in their language, to be able to communicate the gospel clearly in their language and not just in English. Well, yeah. so you're going to need some prayer in that area. A little bit. <laughs> I mean, cult culture, you know, is my, my family and I, we've traveled and lived in like three different cultures. And each state you live in, in, in America is like nearly in the United States of America, it's nearly like a different culture on its own. So it's been it's been an interesting adaption and that most of the time is English. So um, I can only begin to imagine what it's gonna be like going into a culture which is, I, I mean, I do because I've traveled in Africa as well and ministered different places in Africa and working with translators. And, and so it's, it is a challenge. Um, what would you say was the biggest adaption that you had to make uh, in your within yourself in just in just uh, accepting this call, accepting this mandate from the Lord? I, I can't think of any one specific thing, but I know when I look back at the beginning when God called me, the first thing He started challenging me was, "Are you willing to go to the most difficult parts of the world?" And that's really when he just started, when I started reading stories of past martyrs, of past people who have given their lives up for the faith. Literally all of it, facing death every single day in their, in their community. And that's how I really felt God leading me through these past few years, just reading stories of martyrs of the past, hearing their stories, hearing how they responded. And it really challenged me because it's, in that case, it's a it's an all or nothing scenario. You don't jump in there and just do half a job. You go in there and you're committed. You're going to face trials and tribulations. There's going to be times where people might put a spear to your head. They might put a bullet to your head. But you have to be ready to respond in faith and not cower away in fear, but actually be able to stand firm in Christ. 
So really for me, the main thing is God's been working is being able to live anywhere in the world, regardless of the cost and not actually, not, not allowing potential dangers to actually scare you away from what God's called you to do, but just be willing to do anything that he would call you to do and do it with a willing and joyful heart. And it does get scary at times, but honestly, as you're, as you spend time in the word, as you hear God and what he's put on your heart, it becomes so worthwhile to be able to follow after what God's called you to do because the joy, the peace that actually flows through you is so much greater than just doing something that you're not called to do that you don't want to be doing or really just pushing forward into that calling that God has for you. Do you think that that is, uh, I mean, that's powerful. I, you know, for, for a young guy to be thinking like that, I, I thank God I salute I salute young men that are prepared to embrace, you know, when you get to my age, it's like, okay, you know, I'm going to die anyway. So, you know, whatever, whatever I face is fate, what I, what I face. But young guys, most of the time, they're thinking of their comfort. They're thinking of status quo. They're thinking of how can I, how can I live the most comfortable life that I can? So um, uh, to you, you speaking like that, that's, that's like really incredible. So uh, what was that scripture that you, you said God gave you? Give me one second. I don't know the reference. Uh, they can find it. Well, while he's looking up the scripture, I think it's amazing that, uh, and I think that that is that's the thing that's applicable to so many people is to to actually uh, be inspired and and be open to what God is saying for you to do because that's leadership. Leadership is saying. You know, I will be sent wherever you want to send me, wherever you want to sow me, Lord. I'm your, I'm your son of your kingdom. I'm prepared to be sown. I'm prepared to pay the price. You know, there's a cost involved in following your purpose. Mm. In one way or another, there's always a cost involved in following purpose. Um, the man that found the treasure in the field, it says that he sold everything and went back and bought the field uh, so that he could get that treasure. It cost him to get that treasure. And, uh, and so it does cost, but you know, the, the question we've got to ask ourselves is, what are we prepared to pay? Uh, Dave has got a, like a really powerful scripture that, that spoke to him. Yeah, this, this scripture is from Romans 14, seven to eight. For none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For me, that was, it really summed up how I wanted to live my life. I didn't want to live it for myself, but no matter what I did, I wanted to honor the Lord. I wanted everything I do to be given to the Lord. And it really came to a place where understanding that if I did die, that's that's not the point. If I did die, I'm with the Father. If I'm still here, then I'm with the people and be able to continue to share his good news. But ultimately, when my life is not my own and belongs to the Father, then I leave ultimate protection and control under the Father and not have to worry about myself. Not to say that I'm perfect in that because there's still going to be times where I have to struggle through those things and be reminded of how good our Heavenly Father is in that. That's awesome. And, and Dave, and now what is your vision for the next um, number of years ahead? I mean, what is, I mean, this is obviously your purpose, that you have a sense of purpose going to the difficult places in the world, this is what you feel that God has led you to do. Um, and, and you know, I have a real sense that uh, 
that um, you might be a, a a lieutenant now in a sense but I, I really I just want to tell you you know looking into your eyes right now is that um, you're a general God is going to there's a general in you and but he's going to grow that general and um, um, and you know you you prepare to face anything for it and uh, but God's going to preserve you because God's got a work for you to do um, and um, you're going to still be an outstanding general in in um, in in the world of, of the spirit um, it's not going to be um, it's not going to be great acknowledgement uh, by the world but but God's going to raise you up to be a general um, in in the in the realm of the spirit in the in the realm of ministry in the realm of serving people and meeting uh, the need of humanity at a different level and so um, there is a career and a journey ahead of you and uh, and you but you you know that, that's the thing is you've settled the price already in your heart and that's what excites me is that but I'm I'm honored to be sitting in the presence of somebody that's going to become a general uh, and um, I, I can see I can see that really really true but Okay, besides that, I just really felt that on my heart right now. But looking ahead, what do you what do you see? I mean, what do you see for the in the in the in the foreseeable future of your future? What do you see as your vision right now? Yeah, good thing you're saying foreseeable future, because that can be a tough one. Because my what I really want to be learning is how to walk by the spirit, to hear what the spirit is saying, and to live according to that. And at any moment, that could be something totally different from what you could have been imagining. She was put down a simple plan. Put down a plan of this is what I'm going to do for the next five, ten years. It doesn't. It doesn't do justice because God could totally change that and send you to somewhere totally different. But for my for myself and where I feel God leading me really is is see the gospel brought to unreached people, people who don't have access to the gospel, people who won't leave their tribe to come to the Western world to find freedom or or anything else, but just are comfortable living in their tribe and are totally secluded. So really the heart to see them come to know the gospel, not to change their way of living. They've been living for years. They don't need a new way of life. No, they need to know their heavenly father who's created them and to actually live a life that pleases him. And also with the hope that they would then go share that with their fellow neighboring tribes and so on and so on until essentially the gospel is preached to every tribe, nation, and tongue. And another thing would be really for me to learn what it is not only to be a humble disciple of Christ, but to learn to disciple others in a way that inspires them to to learn to live to their fullest potential in Christ, to walk in the power and authority of Christ and not allow the things of this world to discourage them or distract them from where God has called them to be. Good. So on that point, I wanted to ask is like, okay, if, if uh, right now you were standing in front of a group of uh, young people or young guys and ladies and, uh, and uh, you were to give them, uh, you know, you were given a time to share with them the greatest insight you can share with them about number one uh, following Christ 
Um, and number two is um, fulfilling their destiny. What would you say to them? About both of those or just one of them? You know, both of those. For me, yeah, it would be primarily relationship with God. I've noticed that as I draw nearer to God, my desire to reach out, my desire to really fellowship with others and share with Christ comes out of that relationship. And when we're, when we're in a close relationship with the Father and begin to actually learn what He speaks about us, what, he, what He's actually spoken in Scripture with regards to who we are in Him, then we're able to actually show people not show people, but pe then we're able to actually see where God is calling us. He'll start to lay those things on our heart and we'll be able to pursue those things because he's been blessing that along the whole way and he's built that into us. So ultimately, really for me, is that relationship. The relationship is very key, I find. As soon as, if there's a day that goes by that I haven't spent that intimate time with the Father, I can see that my daily life is actually interrupted because of that. Sorry, what was that second part? And the question? second part is them, fulfill, them fulfilling their destiny. If, if essentially fulfilling the destiny, as hard, even hard for me, that's something I'm wanting to learn too, is ultimately obedience. If you believe God's calling to something, I encourage you to walk in it. Walk in it until the Lord says no. Because uh, otherwise, how will we ever know what is obedience if we don't actually walk and be actually suffer from like learn through our obedience through the things our trials that we might might actually come across because of our obedience and really when it comes to obedience that's God's desire he desires us to honor him by being being obedient to him and walking according to his word and when we're able to do that he really just I guess you could say fulfilling he fulfills your life and you begin just to walk the way he wants you to walk. And he continues to test you in greater things. Just as Abraham. Abraham started with smaller and smaller things until he came to his son Isaac where he was challenged to sacrifice his son. It wasn't the first time God had dealt with Abraham. This is years down the road. And not one of us just steps into our destiny, but he takes us on a journey of growing into who he's called us to be. Oh, that's brilliant. Okay, and last question. Well, not the last one, but uh, next one is uh, if if you were encouraging people now, uh, team members going to uh, going on a mission trip, uh, what advice would you give them? Or if they sensed that they felt like, I mean, okay, so you're saying would would that be the same advice you're giving them? Is like if they said said uh, you know I'm feeling a sense um, of a call to to be a missionary to go to another nation, um, would that be the same advice or, or do you have something specific that, I mean, you're just about to embark, uh, so it's a whole new adventure for you, but would you say the same, what would you say to them? I would say same things in that case, because obviously who you are in Christ is going to be challenged right. when you're there. You're going you're gonna to face that. Mm. Another main thing is when you go over, when you go overseas or into another culture, you do not have it all. It's going to be, it is easy to be, start saying, oh, this is, this is what I believe God's saying. This is it. This is how things are done. And you want to almost impress your own will on people. 
but God calls for humility to actually come under not come under the people, come alongside the people, because the people have been in existence, their culture, if not longer than our Western culture. So they know how to they know how to work the fields. They know how to live in their context. So for us, we got to be humble in the fact that we're not going to go there to teach them everything because they already know. But we're coming along as brothers, people who actually desire to see them in a strong relationship with our Heavenly Father and to see their lives transformed through that relationship with God and empowering in the Spirit. That would, that would really be the primary of we don't have all the answers. We have to learn to point people to Christ and not go saying, oh, well, we have the answer. Well, we have the answer. However, we can't, we can't impose it. We have to present to them, Here, here's our Heavenly Father. This is what He's done. This is who He is. And He desires to be in a relationship with you. Now, now follow if, if you so desire. But people people will want to follow that rather than having to be pushed on, oh, well, you have to do this because this is what God says. But learn to actually humbly draw people into the kingdom of God and allow them to take it on for themselves as well. And rather than necessarily directly teaching through a passage, but to actually spend time in the word together with them and seeing how the spirit leads them in that as well. Because from, especially in an African culture or a third world perspective, how they interpret scripture is radically different from how we interpret it here in the West. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, that's, uh, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> that's really powerful, David. I, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. Okay, so you started in Africa, I mean, and had, a, had an encounter in Egypt in a sense. So that's where inspiration came, the idea came that God used that. I mean, do you, do you think to, I, I mean, I love Africa simply because I'm African, you know, I'm, from South Africa, that's why I've got a funny accent for those that don't know. And I have tried, I've done work in Malawi and I've been to other places in Africa as well, mostly Malawi, because God just opened the door for me there. So um, I love Africa, but there's many places in the earth where um, it's work is going to be required. In fact, um, I mean, do you know that 65% of American claiming to be Christian do not go to church 65 percent and they they reckon that if the if if they had to take the American uh, the American population who have not um, who are not going to church and make a nation of them it'll be the biggest um, uh, mission nation uh, or nation that requires mission work in the world <laughs> that's how how scary it is so I mean it's not just far away it's at home as well but but I mean what what do you think qualifies you to to actually um, to be in the place now where you're saying with absolute conviction and absolute passion that uh, you know I know this is what I've got to do the only thing I thought of there was really the spirit the fact that God told me to if God's told you to go somewhere, that's where he's called you to be because that's where you're going to be most effective in what he's called you to be. So ultimately, I don't have any, like I can't say, you know, I have rights to be here because 
for any reason. I can't. Like, we have no right to be, like, we're just a privilege to be on this earth. So, really, my qualification to be anywhere is really by the Spirit actually have led you there. And it's only by that can we actually say we have a right through the Heavenly Father to actually be in this place. And not necessarily through government, government visa issues and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I mean, that's, um, that's really uh, as clear as you're going to get it. I think it's such an encouragement, Dave. I mean, it's, such an, it's encouraging to me and, um, and uh, to see your heart, to see your passion. Uh, Dave has driven all the way down from, from Canada to come and spend time with me here in Mountjoy, Pennsylvania, which I'm very grateful for. Um, we, I value the relationship deeply. Uh, we, we don't talk all the time. But uh, when we do, we sit and talk for hours and about all sorts of things, and uh, I value our relationship deeply. And, uh, and so um, I'm going to miss him as he ventures off into the, uh, the, uh, the world, the adventurous world of faith and signs and wonders and doing adventures in God and in Christ by the Spirit of God. I know God's going to use you uh, powerfully just because of your heart, brother. Uh, this is a man I got to know who's not scared of work, not scared of putting his hand to the plow, and, uh, and he certainly is doing it right now. And so, um, you know, you've got to know a little bit about Dave tonight, and, and I pray that you would remember him. He leaves uh, Canada on the 14th of October, 14th of October and uh, he's flying out uh, first to Europe for two weeks to see some friends, and then he's off to south sudan so um i'm going to be popping this out on social media and it's going to be on the podcast it's not going anywhere and i'm sure that they will be in touch with us uh, sometime in the future give us an update um, we'll get a, some kind of recording audio recording uh, sent to us and that we can pop onto the podcast and let you know how he's doing but uh, keep dave Funderbrook in your prayers and uh, where can people get in touch with you, hear more about you, uh, support you, um, even if it's with prayer support, you know, just sending you encouraging. Listen, let me tell you something. Uh, let, me, let me just interject here before we go any further. I know what it's like to be in another country, uh, different language, different culture, different people, um, and how, how inspirational and encouraging it is to get messages uh, from people saying, how are we thinking of you? How are you? Um, you know, it's like giving a, a, a just a little like on Facebook, except he's going to be in a place where he doesn't get Facebook. So, um, you know, maybe he does. I don't know. But he, and Dave is not a Facebook person, so you're not going to find him much on Facebook. But, you know, it's like if we, if we, uh, if we have a place, how important. And, and you know, any, any kind of person that you know is doing work anywhere, uh, for the Lord, in ministry, for the kingdom of God. How important it is to get encouraging words, um, prayers, just you know, just letting them know that they are important. Apostle, <laughs> a, a, a gift every now and again saying, hey, we're thinking of you. Um, you know what, a, a video message from, from friends and neighbors and saying, hello, you know, we just all love you and appreciate you. We're thinking of you, praying for you. It's so important. So that's why I'm asking where you can stand, where, 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 where can people get hold of you? Where can they get information about you? Where can they send support for you uh, or encouragement, etc., etc.? 
I'm gonna go as quickly as I, as simply as I can on that. Yes. Simplest way to contact me would be my email address, email address, which is Dave. Sorry, David dot Vandenbrook at A-I-M-I-N-T dot org. Vandenbrook is spelled V-A-N-D-E-N-B-R-O-E-K. That's David Vandenbrook at A-I-M-I-N-T dot org. I am on Facebook, but mainly it's just a post from I just sent out a newsletter and have a monthly update and that will be on there with that. But I also hope to send out a more regular, like a photo and a quick something just to help people just be more in touch with what I'm actually doing in firsthand experiencing there. Excellent. So if you, if you send me your email address then I'll stick it in the show notes below, whether now or whenever I get it and I'll put it in the show notes and, um, and then you can find him on, uh, find David on, Facebook at David Funderbrook, okay? Yeah, just David Vanderbrook. Yeah, David Vanderbrook. It's not Funderbrook. Funder is the South African way <laughs> of saying it. <laughs> Vandenbrook. Um, he'll be. Uh, he's on Facebook somewhere. So look him up. I'm sure you will. You be able to access messages and stuff there. Yes, but it's not going to be sel- Like it's it's going to be seldom. Like when I'm in a rural tribe, yeah. it's going to be no internet likely. Okay. No, obviously. <laughs> they don't give you Wi-Fi in the tribes. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. So, um, but I mean, you will be able to pick up the messages and stuff Absolutely. at some time. So, hey, send him a, a, a message. I know there's lots of friends and I hope you are listening from uh, the U- United Kingdom and Canada and wherever else you are. And, uh, and just other people, you know, hey, listen, sometimes it's like, you know, for me, it's, people find, think it's strange sometimes, but I just like sit on Messenger and suddenly somebody comes to mind or I see a face, uh, a post on a Facebook and I think, you know, I just want to encourage them I, or I haven't seen them for some time. I don't see their name or anything on social media and I go, you know, they come to mind and I think, I just want to just encourage them and say, hey, you've, you know, you might be going through this, but it's going to be okay or whatever the story is. And so I just love to encourage people because I think is that we we have so, we don't have enough of it in the world, you know, and so and I know so Dave can't become when he comes out of non Wi-Fi areas into Wi-Fi areas, then it'll be really great for him to have messages. So even if you don't know Dave, um, hopefully I can pick up a picture of him somewhere and stick it on the on the on the social media post I'm going to put out on this um, on this uh, uh, interview. Um, that you can see and and you think about him please pray for him please send him a message um, so and if they uh, but on the newsletter they can pick up where to support you financially as well eh? yeah newsletter shows where you can sign up to be a monthly if you email me directly I'll sign you up right away but the email goes into how you can support financially how you can be praying and also just hearing what's generally going on in my life in the team's life and in the in general life around the town. Excellent. So I, I recommend you um, email Dave. I'm going to put the, the email address in the show notes below this episode and you can pick up then, uh, email him and say, put me on the mailing list and you'll get all the information. Is that the best way to do it? That is the best way. With your first and last name as well. So I know who you are. Okay. First and last name and say where you're from because I think that'll be exciting for him to know um, where, where you are, 
hailing from because I love to know. I love to know where people are are uh, coming from, and, and it's just it's just really great because we are family, you know, and that's that's exciting. So um, that's really great, Dave. Awesome episode. I mean, awesome interview. Uh, just really appreciate your heart, brother, and sharing and being so honest and transparent with us. Really great, and uh, thank you for for giving me some time to pop on and speak to our audience on KLE. Thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure to actually share with you guys. Um, it's been a real pleasure to spend time with Sean and really just be blessed with his fellowship and really just see him for the first time in a year now and just being able to say goodbye and just seeing how God works in my heart, but also in his heart and everyone else's heart over the next few years. Thank you. That's awesome. So, KLE listeners, I appreciate you being with us and hopping on. And uh, hey, send us a message or uh, or a question. Um, I'll always pass it on to him, on to Dave, if, if uh, you can't reach him. And um, it's really been really great uh, spending time with you again. And so, until next time, fellow kingdom leaders, God bless you and have a super, super day. Bye-bye.